watch Tim wishes you good luck and Godspeed. Space Monkeys blasting off with Zero X Brain Jar. He's the CEO of Composable. You know him well. Had him on the show multiple times here. And they're just getting ready to finally launch the uh, Pablo Dex on the Picasso Network. Brain Jar, very nice to meet you in person. Yeah, great to meet you. Welcome in back to the show. Yeah, this is weird for sure, but. Yeah, well, you picked a lovely spot for us. And um, uh, I'm glad we get to talk here because. Um, just as usual, there's tons of shit going on Absolutely. Uh, over at Composable. Um, I think most significantly is the Pablo decks here. Mm -hmm. uh, what can you tell us about when we can expect to actually be using the decks and uh, what's going to be happening uh, yeah. with the general Picasso launch? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing that we needed to solve... So I think when we wanted a decks to appear onto the Kusama ecosystem, the yeah. biggest thing we wanted is liquidity right and so i you know we were working on all this evm connection stuff yeah and i think at some point you know i realized that the bridging infrastructure that we're building the trustless bridging infrastructure that we're building between dot and ksm allowing parachains to basically talk to each other over ibc yeah is actually going to come faster than a similar type of technology to connect to evm Okay. And so from my perspective, now that we have this connection over IBC to bring DOT liquidity into KSM, now we're in a position to actually launch this product with a strong amount of TVL. Because to be honest, you know, to the credit of other teams mm -hmm. who have put out other DEXs, um, I think that's like fantastic. But from my perspective, it's super important to me to be able to show the numbers that we have strong numbers of TVL and that's right. and you can only show that if you have EVM liquidity or dot liquidity and so I think this is the first time that we're going to see a Kusama product benefit from the sort of value of the dot token yeah. um, and so now with this like major sort of milestone unlocked I think now we're in a position to launch Pablo hopefully end of October early November um, pending audits of our grandpa light clients and other pieces associated with the KSM dot bridge because we also anticipate other people will use the KSM dot bridge not just us so we want to make sure it's as safe as physically possible sure you know on launch people will participate in an LBP for Pika um, and that's gonna be paired against dot against dot fascinating stuff yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah. cool and then what happens from there? You have your, your uh, LBP, and then when do people start? Uh... Yeah, then from there, people can permissionlessly create new pools. Pika dot, Pika, KSM. So no governance for creating a pool? No, nothing. You just make a pool. It's okay. just like Uniswap. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. As you were saying there, you were super focused on the EVM thing for a while, because that really mm -hmm. did seem like the holy grail of liquidity. Mm -hmm. um, how much liquidity do you think you can really get from DOT? Mm -hmm. And where do you go to after that because besides the dot token there really isn't tons of liquidity floating around the whole dot sama ecosystem right yeah i know i totally agree with that i think i think the biggest thing is you know having strong tvl numbers right like 100 million plus is like what what i want to see personally from a tvl perspective and if you look at you know the amount of tvl locked up in crowd loans 
for DOT. Even our own crowd loan, I think we had like, I don't know, six million DOTs or something in our crowd loan. And and the, the other parachains had way more, right? So yeah. clearly there is DOT to be deployed. Yeah, uh, right. So I think it's just a matter of like having the opportunity available and hopefully people are you know, can see a DEX that has actual APY and mm. emissions and incentives, and it becomes interesting to someone who's a dot whale. So from there, I think, you know, the expansion is then to Cosmos. And with right. Cosmos, it becomes interesting because now we can bring in Adam, we can bring in Osmo, and via Axelar, which is a trusted bridge, so use it as your own risk and don't trust the Axel USDC asset because it is a bridged asset. Um, but now there can be Axel USDC, so then you can have USDC-based pools, USDT-based pools. Mm -hmm. Then expanding to Near, we can have native USDT, which just launched on Near. So mm -hmm. that's also an interesting pairing. And then also the Near asset and anything else people want to bring over from Near too. So on the stablecoin question, we've had a lot of stablecoin pain. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, AUSD, the Nomad hack. Yeah. Um, on the other side, I mean, uh, also heard that uh, native USDT is going mm -hmm. to parallel. Um, how are you guys thinking about stablecoins beyond uh, just the near there? Yeah, I mean, so native USDT on Polkadot, you still have to get it from Bitfinex, right? So. Oh, okay. So basically, like for a chain to offer USDT they have to basically pay Bitfinex and then they receive USDT oh, and then you see the pool and all that. Yeah. Okay. So if we wanted to do the same thing, which we might, yeah, it's going to have to be like composable doing that to offer USDT to people. But at some point, right, that USDT is going to run out. Right. So it's not, I, in my mind, it's not really like actual native USDT because if it was, then you'd be able to just burn usdt on near and print it on another chain right um but that obviously is like not uh how this works right oh i didn't know that okay i was thinking like you could just mint it on state mine or statement no good to know okay fascinating uh and then um you guys launched this uh, polka dot to Kusama bridge. Mm -hmm. It was pretty crazy. You're using IBC. Yes. And I know you were waiting. Last time we spoke, you were waiting on something from Parity. Beefy. Beefy. Yeah. So we decided to look into building a grandpa like client instead of a beefy like client. Right. And so we just did that instead because beefy's. Beefy I don't never know. happened? Beefy has not happened yet. Yeah. What's it like working? with uh with parody and i mean we have kind of other you know somewhat centralized uh groups yeah. working on Polkadot. we have also the uh the council and the treasury mm -hmm. what's your view of the land here i mean i think that in any you know major i mean we've also worked with informal in, in over in the cosmos ecosystem we worked with tendermint we've worked with whole variety of organizations that are like centralized that are operating for these interoperable ecosystems. And I think end of the day, you know, these organizations will just move slower than a team, startup team. Right. Um, I think where things can become frustrating is if you contribute to the advancement of something and that centralized authority just basically says, oh yeah, like 
thank you very much. We'll take a look at it later, which kind of happened with the way we were approaching Beefy. Right. In the, the Cosmos ecosystem, these guys were like, yeah, sure, like, no problem. Like, let's just mm. make the changes upstream these things. So we had a very different experience. But I think, you know, now I think people are like learning within parity that they have to actually listen to the outside a bit and like understand what people want. And I think people have mentioned Beefy since 2021, at least I was. Um, mm -hmm. I think things are trending in a positive direction with parity as far as getting key things moving. Um, but these things will always be slow. So are you satisfied with the grandpa like client? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's Obviously, I think beefy like client verification would be cheaper for sure. Oh, yeah. But I mean, grandpa like client is still functional, still works, not crazy more expensive than beefy. But, you know, we know that we're going to have to deprecate the grandpa like client at some point to have beefy to go to beefy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. You guys are pretty close to the guys at Cosmos. Also near you yeah. are. What do you think these ecosystems outside of Datsama, how do you think they're seeing? Polkadot and Kusam and everything right now. I think there's just a bit of there's a bit of confusion. It's like a lot of things fell into place for Polkadot before a lot of these other groups, a lot of these other ecosystems. Yeah. And I think they're just confused like what's actually happening now, right? Like okay. we got a whole like a whole network live, two networks live. Um functional parachains, XCM, really chain security, and sort of just like all of a sudden, like the narrative kind of just stopped happening. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I've been saying this for a long time, like Substrate is a difficult framework to work with, but working with the Cosmos SDK is also hard too. Mm. But for some reason, like people who are more ex you know experienced in creating interesting financial derivatives etc have always just gravitated to cosmos or near or other ecosystems and i think truly the reason why is because i don't think par parachains really do fit the app chain thesis which is kind of controversial okay tell me what you mean basically like what's the app chain thesis so the app chain thesis is that every app should have a chain Ah, a sovereign chain right and like in both of these interoperable ecosystems you see people spinning up entire chains for just for a dex or for a lending protocol or for an oracle or for a perpetuals protocol and that's all fun and good but i really think that the space that polkadot needs to operate in because the tech has been always so much more like well-defined and gigabrain uh, that it's almost been difficult for people to like actually understand what's going on sometimes. Yeah. I think that the right. niche that Polkadot should fill is this is this development between the blocks or between the chains, basically. Mm. So I think the days of people spinning up not very novel parachains has proven to be behind us. And I think the future is going to be people building applications that tap into other applications, including applications in other ecosystems. And I think also, by the way, Cosmos suffers from the same problem. I think Cosmos 
like they never had their tokenomics figured out and Adam 2.0 supposedly will solve this. Right. Um, and so I think that's why we see some renewed interest in Cosmos. But people people build very sophisticated trading derivatives protocols on Cosmos because they just like have complete flexibility to build a chain and they're not anchored to the relay chain, which also pr prevents some like uh, scalability things. If you want a super fast chain, you need to have those things as a completely separate chain outside of the relay chain. Right. So I, I, I all I believe is maybe with this architecture that Parish, that Polkadot has, that perhaps things are more suited for building applications that span multiple ecosystems and multiple chains. And this is also why you know, we're doing what we're doing with XCVM and everything and why we are a parachain is because I think that Polkadot is designed for this thesis. So your parachains and with the power of XCVM, mm -hmm. the idea is that an application could touch XCVM and through it reach multiple other avenues, like e even outside of the Polkadot ecosystem. That's that right? right. Yeah. So you can have um, an application that's composed of Osmosis and Mangata and Oak Network and Pablo Dex and sure. Akala and whatever, all underneath the same hood, which is a mind trip, right? Right. But, but this, is ba this is what we need because at some point in the innovation cycle, how many new derivatives protocols are you going to create? How many more DEXs are we going to make? How many mm -hmm. more? It's like these things don't matter at this point. Right. Like, let's actually build real innovation that composes what we already have. It's basically like people saying, let's make the same YouTube. Let's make the same Gmail. It's like, bro, like the, the winners in this race have already been decided. Give up and build something that's actually like building on top of your ancestors. And I think that's the problem is like maybe Polkadot has been a bit too like short-sighted where mm. they believe that what we're doing is the most important thing. We don't need to pay attention to other ecosystems. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily the the truth. I think people do pay attention to what's happening. But like from my mind, if I was to build an application um, on within the substrate ecosystem, we would make it custom to the ecosystem. We wouldn't make it a copy pasta situation, which is also why I don't understand the idea of having an EVM parachain, which is a bit controversial, right? But right. I've also never understood that because it's like... But even with the onboarding narrative, you know, we're going to get people to copy their app yeah, on I mean, Polkadot. And I mean, I think it's a nice from a go-to-market perspective, but I think from for a long-term perspective, it's... It's like, I don't know how much more copy pasta one like entire industry can endure. Right? Okay. Well, what are you thinking about Wasm these days? Yeah, I think Wasm's, I mean, we have Cosm Wasm on yeah. our chain, right? Yeah, so right. I think, I think Wasm based smart contracting frameworks makes a lot of sense. Is it picking up on Cosmos? Like, is it yeah, a popular yeah. thing to build with, really? Yeah, Cosm Wasm is very popular, yeah. Okay. So, who, who, do you th who do you think is doing it right in the Polkadot space? Like what teams are getting it? I think from a interesting use of substrate perspective, it's it's Invarch and Oak Network. They're yeah. doing interesting things with substrate. Like for the first time, I've never seen any other team use substrate in an interesting way. Right. Yeah, maybe like mm -hmm. they've optimized, they've rewritten a application into a palette 
which makes things faster than if you were to run a smart contract. Okay, cool. That's that's completely fine. But mm -hmm. those guys are actually building like unique uh, applications because of what Substrate can do. And right. this this is what I was talking about probably the first time I had I spoke to you on your show, which was like this will take some time and how long has it taken right like i don't know a year basically to get to this point where you see this type of innovation but yeah i think we have a long way to go i yeah. think and i think like to be honest there's a lot to blame um external capital providers for sinking a lot of capital into uh ideas very early on in the polka dot ecosystem and now, after so many different Altel One narratives, uh -huh. I think people are just jaded, really. Sure. Well, on that idea of like huge ideas and mm -hmm. long way to go, it's been a long road here as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys are only just starting. You guys are only now approaching the point where you're going to really launch on the Picasso network. Yep. Um, what can you tell us about uh, the challenges? that you faced yeah. uh, on this road here? Um, maybe things you've learned mm -hmm. uh, that have changed your perspective? Um, what's that been like for you? Like, first of all, was this topic of bridging, right? I think I've quickly realized that trustless bridges are the only way to go. This right. started all the way back in December of last year when we started thinking about IBC, Bridge to Cosmos. But then we started thinking, why can't we make this to all ecosystems, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think I learned a lot about team composition because I have a bunch of delusional ideas like that. And it's important to have the team around you that can pick that up and under and like take it, right? And yeah. take that forward. I, I feel as though Polkadot suffers a little bit from people thinking too small. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really because either A, they don't have the team composition necessary, okay. or B, they're scared because, you know, I also think this crowd loan situation also puts a lot of pressure on teams to ship a token yeah, um, and to like deliver a network quickly, but also like right. you have to hit the key milestones, you know, for your backers to be like, okay, you're a viable project. Cause if you don't have a Polkadot or a Kusama pair chain slot, you know, you won't raise venture funding as a Polkadot project. That's the truth. Oh, okay. That's an interesting point. I think teams haven't really built up this like real team comp, like proper team composition to take these risks that I'm mentioning because they also feel pressure from having to deliver something to their crowd loan participants, which let's be honest, they're just going to dump the hell out of the token when the thing launches anyway. Yeah. So I think there's essentially like, I don't know, fear of failure. Fear of failure. is pretty deep, I think, within the Pokemon Kusama ecosystem. And honestly, it was a major reason why some of our uh, like components that we deplicated, pieces like the trusted setup of Mosaic, we didn't decide to deplicate them because we were hearing when Pika nonstop all day long until I went to sleep every single day. So, I mean, now we're coming out with like a bridge to dot, which is the first time that's ever happening. Mm -hmm. And we could have just, you know, pivoted and done that a while ago. But because one thing's, you know, 
seemed appealing to the community, we sort of went with that decision and then now we've taken a, a new, different approach, right? So yeah, yeah. I think there's like, even though we're trying to cultivate this culture of experiment experimentation, crowd loaners are ruthless. And yeah, I think the reality no is like this, this has to change or else nothing will be built in this ecosystem that is worthy of someone from another ecosystem saying, oh, this is actually really cool. It's like, no, bro, like this is all complete garbage. Totally. Yeah. Well, that crowd loan narrative was 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 pretty hot and probably the best marketing Polkadot's ever had. Mm -hmm. And it was also extremely disappointing for <laughs> everybody for, uh, for pretty much yeah. everybody right both the projects and the people too right right yeah Most, yeah except for moon river basically like uh yeah those relationships that relationship between crowd loaners and the projects was, was built on a lot of lies yes yeah yeah interesting okay so um i mean you guys have been pushing your your timeline back a lot mm -hmm. also like you've been depreciating a few other projects some other projects you've lost some other projects mm -hmm. um i think in, you guys are still working with instrumental yes yes we are okay yeah. and and just to recap on instrumental that's like being able to uh do DeFi on different chains basically cross-chain vault strategies so with right. instrumental what they're basically working on is when these you know when dot is out right yeah being able to bridge st dot over and stksm over and mm -hmm. be able to have an stksm st dot pool mm -hmm. and you put a vault strategy in front of that and you basically just have you know a direct ksm investment and that's the underlying strategy right right so it's like really trying to bring urine finance into this cross-chain narrative gotcha. so Instrumental is running along perfectly with like now incorporating components of XCBM as well. But vault strategies are very hard to build because I don't know if anyone knows this, but vault strategies, like when you're in pioneered vault strategies, their architecture was like contract, then a proxy, and then like four contracts across multiple different strategies. It's a complex thing and then having to decentralize a keeper to rebalance these things right strategies are not just like set it and forget it and like pray to pray to like god that it's just gonna work out like that doesn't doesn't work like that yeah yeah so um and the same thing goes for the angular team as well so, so angular still on angular is also proceeding as well and you know building a lending market is the most the easiest way to wreck an entire ecosystem right because if you build it the wrong way then oh yeah just blow up the whole ecosystem right so right. like better to like have you know we have liquidation interfaces now for people for bots to call which you know some other protocols in the ecosystem could have benefited from bots we had to help angular build bots to do liquidations right um like isolated pool lending in a pallet is difficult because you basically have to create sub vaults for each pair essentially um so that was really hard too and then like trying to do all of this in a way where each pool is fully isolated and you doing borrowing and lending here doesn't affect over here in a pallet where these things are like shared this is hard so these things just are hard and they just take a lot of time. You're still confident you can do it though? I'm, yeah, I mean, we're working very closely with the team and when it's time for their time to proceed to launch, again, it's a very important piece of our ecosystem. Yeah. When they're ready to proceed to launch, we're there to assist them and help them shift the product out. It's a pallet, so we have to oversee everything. 
we'll run an audit on it. It's actually already went through an audit, but um, we'll audit it ourselves. We'll do QA on it. We'll make sure everything works, and then we can add it to the runtime of the chain. Gotcha. Because because it is a pallet, we have to take that extra care. So mm -hmm. both these two things are are progressing. Um, so there are other ones going on. I mean, uh, Arturo, was that ever officially part of the project? No, no, or no? okay. No. You guys are just like admiring them. We gave them a grant. Oh, that was okay, it. okay. Yeah. And um, what about Bribe? What happened with Bribe? Because that was a super exciting idea. Yeah. You know, that was, um, you know, a way to uh, put yourself into other projects, under mm -hmm. other protocols that you wanted to, to work with. What, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, basically, like, you know, we loosely use this term incubate which basically is just protocol design so we went in we architected a pallet for the bribe team bribe team spun out pursued their own funding mm -hmm. they didn't spin out from us they spun out from advanced blockchain so oh, right. we didn't we never had any compensation related agreements or anything like that with bribe protocol in right. any way and we didn't receive any like for us the composable labs incubations has always been about driving traffic to the chain not right. not actually compensating from any of the projects basically okay so that's the vision of composable labs and for bribe uh at some point i think the founder just like you know probably around february or so i just stopped hearing from the founder basically you haven't and heard from him still no still to this day no so he, I think they just, he just wanted to take the vision a separate way, probably. Is he um, still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, yeah. I mean, okay. Briar just released a statement a few weeks ago that they wound down the project, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's doing, he's doing something, right? I just, right. I, you know, I don't think it's, that's, I gave him the idea and he ran with it. He shifted MVP on Ethereum mainnet, then he shifted something on uh polygon mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure and then at some point and just the connection just we i didn't really i think he just probably wanted to take things a different way uh, and then yeah yeah so at the beginning of the year the story of composable finance you know as you were working on launching picasso was mm -hmm. like it was just more and more ideas you know like mm -hmm. a, another project another project all coming from labs a bribe was exciting um yeah. Are, are you guys refocusing now? Or are you guys trying to kind of consolidate a vision or, or yeah. what's going on there? And yeah. what, what is labs? What's the role of labs in the future? You know, seeing how the bribe situation became misconstrued as a problem for us to deal with in the public. Right. Because I, I always thought bribe was like you guys were running building it. bribe. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, that's not the case at all. And we had no control over the future of the project. And when they, when they decided to wind it down, we had no say at all in that. That entire process happened behind closed doors, and I was not a part of that process at all. Okay. So, and no, neither was anybody in composable finance. So I think we want people to build on our technology, and we want to support that technology in the right. form of grants. Okay. And I think where we go in and try to push things along by helping people, not only creates creates like an illusion of composable finance and brain jar running a project which is harmful in the and because it creates more liability for us ultimately right, right. it does or you know we're also not letting them breathe right mm. and i think from my perspective i want composable labs to focus exclusively 
on identifying promising teams, giving them grants, pushing them along as much as they feel comfortable with and having them build between the chains, as I was saying. Um, so, yeah, that's really the focus of Composable Labs. I think this idea of us um, continuing to incubate projects internally, maybe it's something we revisit in the future, but I mean, I think that it's hard to talk about XCBM and IBC and a sort of cohesive stack of Web3 and then also have people ask me questions about Angular and, and Instrumental and all these other like ancillary DeFi primitives. And I'm not doing DeFi, right? I'm doing interoperability work. And that's what I want to do. I want to build the infrastructure. Um, and so I think the people who come in and build the applications, I'm going to let them craft their own narratives speak you know figure out why they're doing those things in DeFi and why they're architecting things the way they want to but from my perspective it's like there's only so much that me as one person can do and i think the problems we're tackling are much bigger than just DeFi. gotcha okay so there's limits to how much you can take care of and and, and how much you can handle a single narrative I mean, I think, yeah, I think for me, it's just like, uh, you know, like we support, like, don't get me wrong, we're supporting instrumental and angular as much as we, as much as we can, as much as the team wants us to. Sure, sure. But from my perspective, I think it's like, uh, we can't go and disrupt the existing narrative of cross-chain with people like Layer Zero and Axelar and... Um, and telling people that XCVM allows you to compose applications when then, you know, I have to go and talk about our brand new lending protocol, right? Oh, that's, yeah, sure. That sure. should be like a brand new team that's like their sole focus is is on this concept. Right. Um, they use XCVM, but they're, they're, they don't have to be from Composable. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that that's my philosophy, I think. Okay. I think, um, you know, the reposition is strong because, you know, with less sort of hands-on efforts we have more time to provide sort of value to these grant recipients okay rad now um i thought maybe like just last question to close out here mm -hmm. um what's exciting you your mind lately i mean what, what's like another great uh, brain jar story of something that uh, we can expect in the future maybe you know a year or two down the line but uh, what, what's uh, in your vision yet that we haven't heard about? So I think there's like two really interesting things that we've been thinking about. First is um, ETH2, so bridging to ETH2. Um, is it going to be possible to do it trustlessly? Yes. Okay. We've been investigating it. It is possible, but it's going to take some time to figure out. This is hard stuff. Like, yeah. It's not just normal stuff. Like we have a team of cryptographers now. Because that gives you any hints as to what tech we're using. Um, we're also building a scaling solution for parachains themselves as well, which also uses cryptography. Too. What do you mean a scaling solution? Um, basically, like trying to process transactions on a parachain much faster than ever before. Damn. Okay. So, yeah. So, that these two things, I don't want to say a single thing about either of them because... They're under research. Yeah, okay. And I'm not going to commit to anything. I don't want to see any Discord messages, please. Yeah. Oh, you just tell such great stories, man. You get people excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, pianist is here. 
Really nice meeting you. Really nice talking to you today. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited that uh, we'll finally get to start using something on Picasso. Going to be worth the wait. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm. I'm just very much so excited about seeing IBC in the parachain ecosystem. Seeing Dodd on Kusama. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I think we could even really rival some other DEXs, not only in the parachain ecosystem, but outside too. So mm -hmm. when I say I'm not a DeFi specialist, I am. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Cool, man. All right, dude. Well, I hope we get to meet up soon. Yeah. And um, yeah, just so excited to see uh, what happens with you guys. And um, thanks so much. I know you you take a lot of shit, uh, <laughs> and it's been it's been a wild journey. I'm, I'm sure it's been a huge growth journey for you personally. Absolutely, and, and, uh, absolutely. And I I thank you for really allowing me to come every single time and just put it all out there. So yeah, we'd like to that. hear what you have to say, man. Appreciate it. All right, asynchronous brain jive. <laughs> nice to meet you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, great to see you.